What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames. Now, usually on the Xander Effect, I like to talk about entertainment, sports, and video games, but today... Today is a very special episode. It's a special report of the Xander Effect. And with these uh, very trying times that we are facing currently with the COVID-19 virus, um, we've received a lot of bad news, you know, throughout many media outlets, too many bad things that are going on in the world right now. So it's refreshing to receive a little bit of good news out of all the bad that's going on. Therefore, I decided to go ahead and interview a young lady, uh, an artist that I featured on this uh, on this show before. Her name is Dovely. She has amazing music, an amazing musical artist. And the story between uh, Dovely and the Xander Effect is that we were scheduled to actually have a couple of interviews. We had to reschedule a couple of times. But this last time that we, we rescheduled was due to a very serious situation that happened with her. And that's the fact of the matter that she had to actually uh, take her mother to the emergency room because she was having a fever and all the symptoms that uh, that that COVID-19 has. And she has an incredible story to tell with a beautiful happy ending that I am I was very honored to uh, have her on the show and interview her, ask her questions as to everything she experienced. And uh, looks like everything, it, it was a very tough, uh, tough situation that she faced, that she endured. But both her and her mother have come up from it. Her mother is now recovering and she is doing a lot better than she was a few weeks ago. So it's a very it's an incredible story that I am very happy to present to all of you. And uh, it may answer a lot of questions from someone that saw this in this very horrible virus take place firsthand. But before we get into that interview, here is Dovely's awesome song called Ricochet right here on the Xander Effect. Baby, are you here to stay?
uh, Ricochet by Dovely. And with me right now is the artist uh, who sings that song and, cre- and wrote that song. Uh, Dovely, how you doing? Hey, Xander. I am doing okay. Um, just recovering from all of the, uh, the craziness in the world right now. Yeah, it's 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 in it's uh you have an incredible story to tell because uh before we we actually had to reschedule a couple of times uh this interview due to health reasons the first time because you were under the weather and the second time because your mother had contracted the COVID-19 virus that's going on right now and she went through an incredible uh ordeal that you went through with her and uh, I, I would, I definitely want to talk with you about that because I mean, this is something that's affecting the entire world, and getting firsthand experience over what happened is something that many people are wondering about because it's it's scaring everybody. It's scaring me, you know, personally. It's scaring a lot of people how serious this virus is. Tell me a little bit about what exactly happened. Tell me how it all began, and let's just go from there. Yeah, definitely. Well. Um As you guys are aware, I am a recording artist and, um, our, my, uh, as, as an artist, I actually am signed to my own label called Chromatoscope. And recently we opened up, um, a studio like offices in Koreatown in downtown Los Angeles. So we've been running, um, the studio, you know, we have a recording studio there. We have a film studio there where we shot, actually where we shot the music video for my last song, Ricochet. And then also, you know, we work with different people that come and rent out the, the, uh, the studio for different events and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain, um, at March, March 7th, um, both my mom and I got sick. I'm fairly certain we got it from one of the events that happened at the studio that day. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, um, a couple days later, I started feeling really sick myself. Um, I just took it as a flu, but it definitely didn't feel like, you know, a regular flu. Um, and I just was like, oh, I'm just going to take a couple days off. Um, thankfully, uh, where I live, I was able to still, you know, get water and food and drinks. And I had someone that was looking after me. Mm-hmm. Now, my mom, on the other hand, she lived by herself pretty much. And, um, you know, we were both sick at the same time. So I was telling her, Hey, you know, make sure you eat or drink. But, you know, I wasn't personally going there to make sure that she was getting what she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got better. Uh, and she got worse. Um, so obviously, you know, the beginning of March, everything was crazy. The virus was just starting to like mm-hmm. kind of make headlines. But at that point, it was didn't really feel like it was hitting the U.S. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that week, March 12th was actually my birthday. So by March 12th, I was starting to feel a little better. And I convinced my mom to come and visit me for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm very thankful that we did that because if not, she wouldn't have left the house and who knows what would have happened. Wow. And she, she came, uh, she came over my house, you know, to sing happy birthday and all that. And then I told her, you know, we have a, like an extra room where I was like, Hey, why don't you just stay in this extra room? 
um, and our like back house so I can make sure you're looked after while you're still sick. Mm-hmm. Um, so my birthday was that Thursday by Sunday. I was like, she's still not better. She still has a fever and it just seems like she's getting worse. She's not eating. She's not drinking anything. And I didn't know what to do. So at that point, you know, I, I was worried. I took her to the ER personally myself. And at that point I'm thinking, I'm like, Oh, whatever my mom has, I probably had it and I got over it. So what's the big what's the big deal? Like, I'll just take her to the ER myself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom, she was actually patient zero at this hospital. She was the first person to be diagnosed with the virus. Um, So pretty much what happened, you know, we went to the ER, they put her in, or put both of us, because I was with her, like, immediately in our own, like, isolated room when I told, told them that, yeah, she has a lot of signs of the virus, but you know, we're not sure. Um, and it's pretty crazy what happened. So we were there for a while and, uh, did they administer the test at all? Because I heard that, uh, it's really difficult to to administer the test right now, unless you're showing active symptoms or something like that. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that's really interesting. Obviously I, I hope that since the time this happened, things have changed. But at the time, you know, she was showing all the signs. They did the regular flu test. They did blood samples. They ran the tests and they came back saying, um, you know, she doesn't have the flu. She doesn't have this, that. And I was like, okay, well, what does she have? And then I remember the ER doctor came in and he was like, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, it looks like she has COVID-19 but we can't diagnose it. And, you know, you need to just go home and you need to quarantine her. And I just remember when all this was happening, the doctor was like terrified. Like the look on his face was like, you could see that he just didn't want her in the hospital. Wow. So I remember they were like, they were going to discharge her. And, you know, I was crying. I was back in the the hallway and I was like, you guys are saying that she might have this thing. I'm like, you can't even give her the test. They said that the tests were limited and they couldn't just give out the tests. So they were going to send her home. I was crying in the the hallway. And then I was like saying something, I was trying to find anyone that would listen. And I found a doctor. I'm like, this isn't right. I'm like, she's had a fever of 103 for eight days. Jesus. She's got a cough. She has a hard time breathing and you guys want to send her home. This isn't right. And one of the other doctors overheard me. And, um, and you know, when I, we were with the nurses and they were giving us the, uh, the papers so they could, um, have her leave the hospital. The other doctor came in and he's like, look, we're going to admit her because, you know, obviously she should be admitted. And that's the only way we can get a test is if she gets into the hospital. That, 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 that is so frustrating because obviously she has a fever. Obviously she has trouble breathing, which are both the signs that many people, many doctors now, or I don't know if, if maybe they've changed their guidelines, but they're saying now that if, you know, if you have a fever um, and you have a cough to ride it out, but if you start having trouble breathing, definitely go to the emergency room. Oh, so I, I, don't, I don't understand what maybe, I mean, could it be because they were afraid? They were afraid of a, oh. of a spread at their hospital? They were, they definitely were afraid of the hospital. So that's only where it begins. So 
They say they're going to admit her into the hospital. I'm there with her in the ER myself until 7 a.m. And she still doesn't have a room. Um, and you're amongst other people there? I mean, I was there. Like I said, I mean, I had a mask on, uh-huh. but I was like, you know, my mom's my mom's like super sick. Like she is barely like and they were having her wait in the they were having her wait in the emergency room with other people around her no 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 so as soon as we got there she Uh she, we had our own like little isolated room that was maybe you know uh eight foot by eight foot it was like a small little room that we were in from the beginning but i mean the whole time she was sectioned off you know they tried to have her isolated her and i isolated from everyone else. And I was just there. And thankfully I was there to be like a spokesperson for her, like making sure, Hey, she was supposed to get this IV. She hasn't got the IV and all the stuff. So I'm like speaking on behalf of, on behalf of her. So anyways, she gets checked into the hospital. Um, this was by then here, the date, it was March 16th on Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, and by then, you know, she'd already been sick for, you know, almost, 10 days at that point. Um, and I go in there and, you know, this is when they're first allowing visitors and, you know, everyone that's going into the rooms with her, they're wearing like full, I mean, not full hazmat suits, but I mean, you know, the mask with the, with the shield over it, the gloves and the the gown, the disposable gown and all this stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's just, uh, are they having you do the same thing since you're visiting her? Um, honestly, no. I mean, I had a mask on and, you know, it's it was my mom and I just went in there and I was speak on, speaking on her behalf the whole time. But, you know, she started to go downhill at the hospital. Oh um, first off, it took them three days before we actually got word that she had tested positive. So she was in the hospital on Monday and the test didn't come back positive until the Thursday. And what had happened was until then, you know, they were still treating her as if she had like maybe a bacterial pneumonia, by the way, it had progressed to pneumonia at that point. Oh my God. Um, so they were, you know, until it came back positive, they're just treating it how they know, which is with antibiotics, which, mm-hmm obviously doesn't work if it's a virus. So the second that she got tested positive, they switched over. By then I had been, you know, my mom's sick in the hospital. I've been reading all this stuff online about different treatments and experimental treatments. And I heard about uh, hydroxychloroquine. Mm -hmm. And then it was one of the, the medicines that they've been treating people with the anti-malaria. Yeah. The anti-malaria, the stuff that's for anti-malaria. Yeah, exactly. So they, they had that. Um, and you know, I spoke to the doctor the second they were like, it's positive. I said, Hey, have you heard about this stuff? It's experimental. And I think that was like the same day that Trump came out saying like, Oh, I know the cure. It's hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. And I remember like, being a little pissed off, like, oh, why does he have to co-sign it? It makes me feel like it's, it's more of a lie. But I mean, I think, I think there's some some truth in it. They gave her that, which is like an anti-malaria pill, uh, mm. and then they were giving her something called Kaletra, which is like an HIV medication as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I had read the stuff that the Kaletra didn't work. Anyways, in the meantime, you know, my mom's in the hospital. I can't actually go physically and visit her anymore. So I'm calling every day the hospital, like, you know, I'm talking to nurses, to doctors, to caseworkers, to infectious disease specialists, to um, just all these different people, the the health organization just from like the county and the, the government, because at this point, I think there's only like 500 cases or something, if even that much in the state of California. At this, at this time. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the chances that like we'd win the lottery, but it's right. like the shitty lottery that my mom's like one of the few people yeah. have this. I don't even know if it was 500, but I just remember at the time thinking like kind of if, you rewind to where I started the story is I'm fairly certain she got sick from this event that we had that had 500 people at our studio. So I'm just thinking like, it's just the random occurrence that happened. Yeah. And I, well, not only the random occurrence, but I'm thinking like, okay, I probably had it myself. Think about all the people that probably have it too, that either don't know about it or the test um, you know, they weren't able to test or they didn't know it was as bad. So I'm thinking at this point, I'm like, I just know alone the places I was at and she was at and the amount of people we were around. And I'm like, if we're, we tested positive, the amount of people that probably have it at this point and just don't even know about it. I'm like, it's gotta be a huge number of people. Oh, it's, it's most definitely. And, and I believe that, um, at the time, you said it was around March 12th, right? Well, the I think when she started feeling it and when I started too, it was actually the week before. So it was like March before. 6th and 7th. But by March... Because, because the, reason why, the, reason, the reason why I'm asking is because right around, uh, right around that time, there was only a few number of cases. Because I'm looking at the... Because I'm looking at the... Uh, at the numbers from the from the from the public health of LACounty.com. And at that time they only had 14 cases. Yeah, yeah. It was something like that. Maybe it was 500 cases in the country. And was, one no, of them was, was my mom. It was 500. Well, it was 500 cases, I believe, total in California, but there was yeah. only 14 cases in Los Angeles yep. County at that time. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. She was so, the first one in that hospital, and they were like, she's one of the few. I remember just joking with my brother, because you know all this stuff is going on. And like, I'm the point of contact for my family. Like I work very closely with my mom. Not only is she like my mom, she's my best friend. She's my, you know, business manager mm -hmm. for my career and my business partner with the record label. So it's like, I'm very close with her. My brother, I have a brother that lives in Chicago, another one that lives in Boston, um, one in New York and one in Ohio too and a sister and a lot. Anyways, I have a lot of family, but everyone's like contacting me like, Hey, what's the deal? What's the update? And it just was uh, pretty stressful. And then in the meantime, you know, I'm trying to video call my mom as much as possible just to mm -hmm. keep her spirits up. Cause imagine you're like fighting this and you're alone. Like no one is there. Like See, no one so, that so, you love. So there was no, so so there was nobody like besides no one that's there to comfort you. I mean, she was she alone in that room, or were there other patients in there with her as no, well? No, she was alone in the room, and I think maybe you know a few times 
a day, I'd say maybe like four to eight times a day, she'd have nurses come in that would like check her vitals and give her food, you know, but she, I think the rule for if you're around people like uh, close proximity with people with the virus is like 10 minutes. And if you're there for over two minutes, you have to like leave or you're considered exposed. So it's like, you know, she's, people are only around her, but at the same time, she's so tired that she like doesn't even want to talk to anyone and she's having a hard time breathing. So I'm like, and in the meantime, you know, all the doctors, the nurses, no one knows what to do. They're not like this treatment is proven. We know that doing this is going to help. It's just kind of like, they're just rolling the dice, you know? And And in the meantime, I'm sorry. sorry? I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just gonna. I was just wondering that. Um, how did this? How exactly were the symptoms that that it began with her? Does she remember what how it started for her? Yes, because I was there when it started. Um, I'm fairly certain when it started. It was like, you know, very lethargic, very tired, mm-hmm. and then it developed into a fever and body aches. And then for a while, for her, it was just fever and body aches. And then it turned into a cough. And at first it was, you know, like a dry cough. And then it progressed into a cough, you know, that had like, like a wet cough that mm-hmm. had phlegm. That. Yeah, it wasn't phlegm. It was like, uh, I mean, I don't know how, how detailed do you want this, but I mean, no, yeah. please. I mean, please, because this, uh, this is, this is type of stuff that people that people want to know exactly you know what to watch out for well I mean for her it started that it was like kind of like a white foam which I guess is like the actual lining of the stomach so it's a dry cough and when it's wet it's like you're actually getting or not the stomach the lining of your uh esophagus yeah exactly and then when you're actually getting phlegm so it seems that it's actually a a good thing because it means it's coming out. So it's when it's a dry cough is when it's a problem. But first, and, obvi- but, but first, obviously the first symptoms is being lethargic. And then afterward yeah. comes a fever right after. And how, yeah. how fast did the symptoms, uh, did the symptoms develop one after the other? Like how fast was it? Was it like first she was lethargic one day and then the next day she had the fever and then the next day the cough. I mean, what was the timeline? Yeah. Well, I'd say, um, the yeah she was lethargic maybe a couple days and then the fever for a couple days and then maybe like three four days later the cough developed so that's the thing like it it's a slow progression and you don't know what it is i can speak personally on my experience i was gonna ask yours yeah i was gonna ask what what was your symptoms yeah i'm fairly certain technically i haven't had the test but i know at this point like i was really sick the same time as her i was with her when she got sick, I was in the hospital with her when she was sick. And, you know, I, I haven't gotten sick since then. So I'm assuming I had it and I built some sort of immunity, but I was, um, you know, I was at the same place as her. I was lethargic myself. Um, Mm -hmm. but I just was honestly thinking that I was just, was tired from, you know, I had just put out actually the video for Ricochet that week so it's crazy. I got sick. I never really got to um, do tons of promo for the the new video we just put out. But, um, you know, I was lethargic. I went to the studio Monday morning 
um, to let in some of the people that were cleaning from the parties from the night before and it was raining and it was wet and I got up at four in the morning and, um, you know, I, I went home around 7am and I was like, Oh, you guys continue. I'm just tired. I'm going to go home and rest. And then for me personally, it hit me hard and it hit me quick. So I was, I went from being really tired to next second I had a fever and body aches and I had a fever and body aches really bad for three days. I never got the cough, uh, but just body aches, fever. And then by day four, I started to feel better. So you um, probably had like a, like a mild version of it because I've heard that some people get it and they get only a mild version of it. They don't get the full blown unless you have like yeah. your body, unless you're an elderly person or you have uh, an immunodeficiency, um, so, that's when it hits you hard. Here's the thing, like my theory on that is this. Um, I personally was exposed the same time as my mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually get sick, I don't think, until the second my immune system was compromised. Like I said, I had gotten up that Monday, um, I think it was like the 9th or something at 4am after going to bed at one. So I, I, I had only got three hours of sleep. It was raining and cold and I was out in the rain and cold, like, you know, moving trash and like, you know, moving furniture around at our studio. Um, and I think my immune system dropped suddenly. And I think when it dropped was when it like kind of overtook. So here's the thing, like, what I've learned from all this um, is really anyone is capable of having a bad case of it. I think that's kind of what studies are showing and people that are having it are all ages. It's not just older people or immunodeficient, uh, immune deficient people. It's kind of just anyone that has a moment where for whatever reason, you, you know, your body is not as strong as it can be and then the virus takes over. And then I think what happens is depending on how healthy you're able to, you know, have your body while it's fighting it in the beginning stages, you go one of two ways. You can either go where you fight it off easily, quickly, or it gets worse. And I think it, it gets worse when, you know, your body isn't strong enough to fight it. Yeah. So, that's, that's been, that's been pretty much what a lot of uh, a lot of the medical people have been talking about that it's amazing it, that's the reason why the elderly are are at high risk because obviously when you're older your body you know your immunity starts getting lower and lower as the as uh, as the older you get and i mean obviously you know if you're if you're even if you're young and you know but if you're immunocompromised then you're also at high risk as well because it still can affect you. That's the reason why they're saying, you know, it doesn't matter if you're young or old. This 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 virus will attack you regardless of what age you are. Oh, and depending and depending on how how your uh immune system is, it'll either go really bad or it'll just be bad. Well, know? yeah, and here's the thing, like to go back to my mom's story for a second. She was in the hospital in the end for two weeks and her worst, she had like her, you know, closest to fatal experience when she was in the hospital and it had progressed where she couldn't breathe. 
um, and you know she wasn't able to get enough oxygen in her blood. Thankfully, you know there was a nurse there that caught it when it happened and was able to get her oxygen and get her body back in shape where it could keep fighting it off. But uh, you know I spoke with my mom and she said what happened was she was just really tired because imagine at this point she's been sick for three weeks. Yeah. Just, your body is just exhausted. Taking a toll on your body. Yeah. yeah and my, you know, my mom is 56 years old. She doesn't drink. She doesn't smoke. She's a healthy woman. She's not like, she has no diseases or, you know, medical problems of any type. No and underlying conditions. Nothing. And she was in there and she told me, she's like, there was a point where she just, was tired and she like just couldn't breathe and she just kind of wanted to just let it be what it was. And, you know, thankfully that nurse was there to help her. And the nurse was like reminding her, Hey, you have to like keep fighting your, your daughter's there, your family's there. They love you. They care about you. Um, so the thing that people, I don't know if people realize what really makes it different than the flu is when you have it, you have it for a long time. Like if it progresses, it's not like a, a three, five day bug, it's weeks. So you can have it if it progresses to the point of pneumonia, you know, you're going to be fighting it for three, four five weeks. And that's when I think, um, it comes down to, you know, people that already older people or people that are already, their body's already fighting other things. It's just for your body to fight so hard for so long is what I think makes it so dangerous for people because, you know, to have your body under that stress for that period of time, it's difficult, you know, for anyone. It's but like, it, it takes a toll psychologically as well because you feel like, yeah. God, I don't want to keep going. It's too much for me. Like, yeah, I just and want I to shut down. Yeah, and the, the, the strive to try to breathe and, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, um, you know, all the things that come come with it of like, I could only imagine my mom being in a hospital room already. Like, you know, she's tired all the time. She's not eating. She, or, and then the medication they're giving her, like she's throwing it up. So it's like just misery. You know, well, I was going to, I was going to ask about that too, because there was an interview on, 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 uh, I believe either CNN or Fox, I forgot what it was, where they interviewed a patient uh, that also experienced vomiting as well. He said that, Basically, his lungs had crystallized and they needed to keep him moving. They needed to get him out of bed to keep moving. Yeah. And every time he was moving, he kept on throwing up. But that was a good thing because that means that your body, you know, if you lie down, he said, then the virus pretty much makes you feel, uh, you know, happy. You're, it makes you feel your body great. That It's relaxing. And that's when it's really, really attacking you. But once you start moving, it's almost like your body uh, your body's uh, your immune system begins to fight it because you're moving and you're, you know, your body's active. And yeah. that's when you, that's when the, that's when the virus really, really gets angry and attacks you even harder. And that's when you start throwing up and you don't want to move and you don't want to get up because it's like, it's, it's really bad. So is that something that happened to your mom as well? Um, I know that she was, you know, trying to stay active and move around as much as possible, especially, you know, she's in a room she had a bathroom in there. So she was like getting up to use the bathroom and getting up when she, you know, if she had to throw up, she was trying to throw up in the bathroom. Um, and I, I know that just the movement helps. 
I think in general, it comes down to like your body being strong enough to fight. Like if I could give advice or for whatever it's worth to people out there, it's like, it's, it's kind of like if you're going to gear yourself up for war, you need to like train and be, you know, your top fighting shape. And that's what I think people need to do. I think like you need to eat as healthy as possible. If you have like, you know, smoking habits or whatever, like try at least, you know, to quit for now and just try to get your body as healthy as it can so that if it does hit you, that you're as strong as possible to actually win the fight. So I think getting up, I think eating healthy, if you can, you know, drinking plenty of fluid, staying hydrated, these are all the things that like, you know, you need to give your body to fight. So, you know, for my mom, as simple as it was just to like, stay hydrated and eat and like move around, like when you're so sick, I mean, think about it when you have the flu, and you feel like crap, do you want to get up? out of your bed. No, you just want to stay in bed under your covers and like warm yourself up and take, you know, a Tylenol and go to sleep. But really what you need to do is like try to, you know, give your body everything it needs to fight. So obviously you don't want to like go don't run a it. marathon or yeah. anything, but you want to like give what as much as you can. So like some movement is good, obviously like a healthy amount. If you're legitimately sick, resting is important, but while you rest, like you still need to be hydrated. I know that's one of the biggest things that happened to her was she was dehydrated. The other thing that was interesting to know that, um, I think maybe more people know, but at the time I didn't know, but Having a fever isn't actually a bad thing. It means... It's sweating everything out. Well, yeah, not only that, but your body is raising its temperature to try to kill off, you know, the foreign agents like viruses. So theoretically, you know, you think, oh, I have a fever. I want to take something to reduce the fever. But in actuality, if you have the virus, you don't want to take a fever reducer if you don't absolutely have to you want to just like if you have a fever just cool your body off you know get from under the covers um you know try to drink some beverage and that's the other thing because your body's heated up so much you need even more to drink more fluids have more like electrolytes because your sweat you know your body's like in overdrive yeah, so, definitely. And 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 not only that, I mean, it, it also says, you know, uh, starve a cold, feed a fever type of thing. So I'm sure that, you know, you need to be eating, trying to at least feed your body. Because yeah. like you said, it's, you know, it's trying to fight off an infection. And in doing so, it's sweating, it's taking a lot out of you. So you need to give it more energy in order for it to keep on fighting. Yeah, to keep, to keep fighting. And that's right now until the, uh, you know, until a cure comes or a vaccine so I'm, I'm curious i'm curious so was that part about the the fever being a good thing was that something that the doctors had told you or is it something that is a theory of yours no that's something the doctors told me oh wow okay so, so here's the thing the other thing i know they're saying like certain types of fever reducers aren't as good like or at least for this because there's certain like hormones in it that or that I don't know. I, I don't want to say the terms because I can speak well on the stuff I know for sure and stuff I don't. I don't I'm not trying to misquote. 
Uh, but I do know they said um, acetaminophene or Tylenol is the fever reducer type mm-hmm. you should use because they know for sure it doesn't at least have certain um, ingredients that you know, have shown to be counterproductive when your body's trying to fight. So if you do take it, you take Tylenol. But they said at the same time, really, if you don't have to take it, like you should just write it out. Yeah. As in, you know, typically you get a little bit of fever, you take it, your fever comes back, you take it. But I I mean, I guess it's also if you think if you're going to be, if you're going to have a fever for weeks, you can't take Tylenol 24 seven because it's going to destroy your liver. So I think, you know, if you have a fever, obviously, you know, if it's a low grade fever, just ride it out. If it's like a hundred, 101, just ride it out. But when it gets up to like 103, 104, maybe take a Tylenol. Yeah, so that way, so that way you don't like completely overheat because you don't want to overheat either. Cause then you'll die. Yeah. Exactly. You just want to keep it at a leveled fever pace so that way you could at least sweat it out, but not enough to the point where you need a cold bath, you know, before you freaking I mean, die. Actually, yes and no, because I do know there was a point where she had a fever of 103 and the nurses just took all of her blankets off and just tried to have her cool down naturally. Yeah, that's what, and that's what, and that's what all, another thing that I've heard too that when a person is cold, the the worst thing you could do is put blankets on them. You cannot do that. You need to let them cool off on their own because otherwise you're overheating their body even more with all the blankets. Exactly, and these are all things like I'm pretty sure for my mom. I mean, the kind of update on it is you know she she's been out of the hospital now for a couple of days. I was going to ask about actually what I was going to ask is when did they finally know that she was finally okay to be released? So this is the other thing that's really scary is they're not releasing people when they're okay to be released. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so my my mom is still sick right now. She still is coughing. She still, you know, is trying to maintain her fever, but thankfully her a high fever for her now is like 100 degrees instead of 104. So... So you know, well, she, I I think I'm assuming, and I'm assuming that the reason why they're doing this is because to make more room. So, I think what they're doing is that they're releasing people that are low level risk and releasing mm-hmm. them and, and telling them to stay isolated at home to make room for the people that are were like were like your mom when they first walked in. They're like really they have 103 fever. They need to yeah. make room for the turnaround. That's probably the reason why they're doing that. For sure. I'm also fairly certain that the medication they gave her, the hydroxychloroquine helped with the pneumonia. So that's something to keep in mind. I know that it's going around like, oh, hydroxychloroquine is something that you can take. Like a couple notes that I've learned from infectious disease doctors is it's not a prophylactic, meaning you can't take it ahead of time and not get the virus. There's no evidence that shows that. So don't go out trying to buy it and just take it and be like, oh, I won't get it. Um, It's also you know, for, for her, her treatment at the end of it, I'm fairly certain it helped reduce the pneumonia part of it. It's not like, oh, if you have a fever, you take it. It's more, if it progresses to pneumonia, I think the hydroxychloroquine helps heal or helps speed up the healing process of the pneumonia in the lungs. Well, yeah, because I mean, I, I know for sure that recovery 
for many people that have gone through what your mom go, went through takes weeks. Yeah, um, no, you know, like it, said, she's still sick. She's yeah, still quarantined, yeah, and still coughing. Now it's still going to take a while for her to recover from all that. And and one other thing I wanted to ask is in, regarding um, you know uh, sterilizing. Uh, everything in your house and everything, everything. I mean, what was the recommendations for that be, being the fact that, you know, you and her were sick? Yeah, well, I, I definitely have all of the recommendations from the hospital when she was, uh, when she left the hospital as far as like the precautions. And I guess what they recommend is if you're driving with someone that has uh, COVID-19 or someone that you suspect that does, you know, you should have a mask on, they should have a mask on and you should drive with the windows down mm -hmm. and then try whatever they touch to, uh, you know, wipe it down with like a, a Lysol wipe or something like that. And, and even now, um, I've just been, like I said, we're blessed that we have like a back house area. So she has her own separate kitchen and bathroom. and So she's completely isolated. Yeah, she's completely isolated. But, you know, there's windows and I, and I bring her food and I make sure that she's still eating and drinking. And Are, like, you, are you still, are, I mean, were you still allowed to actually be there with her or are you just leaving it right there and then just doing the six feet rule type of thing? I mean, technically they're telling me that I'm supposed to just leave it at the door and have her open the door and then I should give her paper plates and when she's done, just throw them out. But, you know, I'm just careful with, um, wiping and washing everything down. Um, and you know, as far as her, it sucks. I haven't, hugged my mom and, you know, like a, almost a month, but you know, I'm, I'm still, uh, you know, she's, she's doing a lot better as in now, you know, she's mentally there. There was a time where she couldn't have a conversation longer than a sentence or two without That's awesome. getting tired. So now she's like, you know, That's awesome. mentally. She's herself, finally better. Yeah. She's, she still has a cough, uh, but she's, you know, she's still resting. So, so here, here's another, here's another uh, question because this is something that, that people were talking about, about the fact of the matter that, you know, if you've had it once, there is a possibility you can get it again. How, how true is that? Have you heard about that? Um, I have heard about that. Um, as far as I, as far as I understand, so the people I've talked to, like I said, I've spoken to tons of nurses, mm -hmm. tons of doctors, tons of infectious disease specialists and all these people specifically studying this virus firsthand. Um, and I can tell you a hundred percent that no one really knows. No one can say like a hundred percent, this is a fact, this is true. There's studies to support it. So, um, you know, a lot of doctors are assuming that this strain of the virus right now is the only strain there is. And that if you get it, once you won't get it again, at least not for the next year or two until the strain like morphs into something else. But at the same time, there's no doctor that will tell you that definitively that that's a hundred percent a fact. And if you get it, you don't have to worry about it. So, um, I think you can decide, you know, your own decision as, you know, a person, if you think you've got it, if you still want to be around people, I think, you know, you can make your own decision as far as what you should do. Me personally, like I said, it was my mom. 
I made sure that I was there taking care of her, but you know, I'm still maintaining uh, my, my distance at least until I know that she's better. The other thing that the doctors are saying is that you should give it at least um, 72 hours from when someone that has the virus stops showing any symptoms before um, they should come in contact with people. I was, I was actually, that's, thank you. You actually answered a, a question I was going to ask because I was going to ask, you know, how long uh, after they've been, they were infected, how long after the recovery do the doctors know exactly when the person is no longer contagious? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. The doctors are saying to give it, you know, three days after they stop showing the last sign. So for instance, if your last symptom is like, a fever or a cough. It's kind of like three days after the last time you cough um, is what they're saying. But then I know another, that's at least what the doctors told me personally, but I know there's been studies saying now that you should give it seven days um, after someone stops showing symptoms that they can still spread it. So I think because there's so much unknown is why everyone's being really. cautious as far as like social distancing and the extra long um, stay at home orders is really just because, you know, people you don't know. And like I said, I've spoken to tons of infectious disease doctors and they don't know. And they're not, you know, they're smart enough to know that they're not going to speak on behalf of something without proven evidence. Because if not, you know, people, you know, might start doing the wrong thing. And they could go ahead and like have another surge of infections afterward. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. I mean, this, this, this virus has definitely taken over our lives. Um, It definitely turned your life completely upside down. Yes. You know, I mean, I mean, I, it's, 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 it's incredible. And, you know, I'm, I'm very, like I said, I'm, I'm happy to hear that you came on the other side of this. Um, I'm happy that you're still taking precautions, um, you know, because right now, as you said so before, doctors have no idea. This, 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 there's still a lot we don't know about this virus and where it came from. What, what are your, what's your opinion about people that are pretty much taking this, this virus lightly? I mean, what's, what's the message you'd like to send to them, the people that, you know, especially the younger generation that really, they don't, they don't really think that they could get sick or they don't really care if they do. It's not going to affect them that much. What's, what's your opinion and what's your advice to them? First off, the fact that it can affect you is just not a fact. I mean, there's so many people, young people that are getting the virus and, you know, it's progressing as bad as my mom or worse with people that are like perfectly healthy or that, you know, would consider themselves perfectly healthy. I don't think really anyone's 100% safe. And because you don't know, I mean, if you're thinking 100%, like, you know, whatever selfish reasons, oh, if it doesn't affect me, I don't care. You can't even say that because it could 100% infect you and affect you. Um, It could affect anyone. And even if it couldn't you personally, even if you did get it and you're around, you know, someone like your parents or, um, you know, family members or friends that might have, you know, might be more susceptible to having their case be worse, you know, that's something to consider as well. And then the other thing is, you know, 
it doesn't affect you until it does. And when it does, you know, it's a very scary um, situation. Um, and you're better off just taking the precautions because, you know, it's, it's real. A hundred percent, it's real. I think at this point, uh, more people are knowing people personally that have it, which I think is helping to spread the word that, hey, this is real. You should take the precautions and take it seriously. Um, the other thing that I could say, like my own observation is, I mean, in my entire life, um, nothing like this. And I think our lives, nothing like this has ever happened. Not to our, well, not, not what's happening now. Not just in our lives, our grandparents' lives. Yeah. This has never like, happened in their lifetime either. That's what I mean. So you have to think like for things to get this extreme, how bad is it really? Think about all of the bad things that we've experienced, but nothing like this has ever come as a result of it. This level of like the entire world shutting down. That's the thing. It's not just California. It's not just America. It's the entire world. You know, I know people in Switzerland that are on lockdown. I know people that are in London that are on lockdown. You know, mm -hmm. this is like affecting every single person in the world right now. And um, I think we're kind of united in that scared shit show that everyone's experiencing at once that like things are bad, but at least they're bad for everyone. So we're collectively supporting each other and the misery. <laughs> Well, it's 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 similar to what I mentioned in one of my uh, earlier episodes when we first started. I, I said this in a, in an episode that I titled uh, "The Silver Lining to the Coronavirus," and basically what I had mentioned this is this is right around the time when uh, the lockdown began, and people were focusing on the negative that uh, that this virus had brought. In other words, shutting you know. So, um, you know, suspending uh, sports, uh, concerts, you know, things like that. Uh, people were all focusing on the negative. So I decided to go ahead and put a, 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 an episode of what the silver linings are of this virus. And it's so funny because right after I did that, about maybe two weeks later, people started seeing that. And they started seeing the silver linings, which, you know, I basically said, you know, silver linings is unity, what you just mentioned. Yep. You know, it's unity amongst all of us and, and, you know, whether it be uh, neighbor unity, family unity, worldwide unity, we're all in this fight together. We're all fighting a, a, the same enemy right now. I mean, if you notice, and I, and I even said this in the podcast, if you notice, there hasn't been one single solitary peep from countries uh, bombing each other and things like that, military issues going on, nothing, nothing. They, there has been no talk of any type of military, uh, you know, I don't know fight that's 100% true. I'm pretty sure there's still some, some stuff going on. I mean, I mean, check for yourself. I mean, the reason, and the reason why there hasn't been any news about that is because those countries are trying to fight this virus themselves. Yeah, 100%. No. That's the reason why they, they completely have forgotten. Okay. You know what? We'll deal with you in a minute. <laughs> right now we have an enemy that's killing yeah. us and our soldiers. So we can't even fight you because our soldiers are getting infected right now. Yeah. You know, like there's not, that's the reason why I'm saying there hasn't been any talk about that because they've been trying to fight this virus too. And, you know, you know, the, the other thing that I've, I, I don't know if a lot of people here have realized, but in Los Angeles, you know, one of the biggest problems with the city is the homeless 
crisis in the city. And if you know what's happened because of all of these closures and all of these government programs coming in to try to help fight it, there's been, I think, over 5,000 um, rooms in hotels and motels that have set aside to get homeless people off mm-hmm. the street so they Correct. don't spread infection, which if you think about it, like the LA homeless crisis, oh, it's huge. Is like actually, I'm like, is this going to, in the long run, actually help the homeless well, Mayor Garcetti, well, Mayor Garcetti said it himself that, you know, he declared a state of emergency because of the homeless situation. Yep. You know, he did that. He did that a couple of years ago when the homeless situation got out of control. And, uh, and, and that's, and yeah, you're correct. That's part of it. The other part is the environment. You know, the fact of the matter that there's less smog, you know, there's, there's, I mean, in Italy about a week after, uh, a week after I did this, this special podcast, this special episode, there was a news article saying that the rivers where the gondolas usually go to in Italy are, are cleaning themselves to the point that you can actually see the fish at the bottom of these rivers now. Wow. That's, I mean, that I'm, I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of silver linings to these things. I was talking about how artists can appreciate their fans more. There's a lot of self-entitled artists and athletes that believe that they deserve to be where they're at. And yeah, granted, they may deserve it, but they don't acknowledge the fact that the people that actually pay their paycheck and their fancy houses and all this other stuff are people that pay for their tickets and their concerts and things like that. So now it's one of those things where they find they, you know, if you're self, if you're a self-entitled artist or actor, producer, director, et cetera, now you just realized, well, damn, you know, I'm pretty much just a regular person without anybody there. Yeah, it's 100 percent true. And it's really interesting the things that are happening online that, you know, certain people are posting videos. But it's it's kind of cool. Like this has been like the leveler for everyone in society where it's humble. People. Everyone's yeah, everyone's like kind of just shooting stuff on their phone in their house now, you know, like all the production value of everything is. You know, it's, it's the great leveler for I mean, everyone. I mean, I mean that and, and, and it's so funny. There's another, there's another word that I've been using a lot, actually, that I, that I actually also mentioned on that episode. And that is the word reset, that the world needed a complete reset. And it's funny because now people are using that word because it's, it's, it's incredible because the world needed a reset. I said that. I'm like, you know what? This is the world's opportunity to reset completely and reevaluate everything that we've taken for granted. That's another thing I mentioned. Important. The other thing that I don't think a lot of people, like some people are thinking, oh, this is going to be over and things are going to go back to normal. Mm-hmm. Like, no. First off, I don't know if people understand that this virus is expected, even if, you know, it kind of lets up in the summer, that fall, winter again of mm-hmm. this year, there's going to be another another point another surge yeah so it's like i don't know if us as a world will ever be the same after this i mean that's something to consider you know i mean the 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 white house uh dr anthony fauci he said that actually in one of a new in a news briefing he actually said that you know expect a spike in coronavirus cases come fall because that's when the winter season begins. That's when the cold season begins. And a lot of people get sick with the flu and this, that, and the other, that this is also going to be included in that, in that family, in that category. So expect it to, to spike up again. But the difference is, and he said it, that this time they know what to expect. 
because this first time they were completely unprepared, completely unprepared. And, and, and they're doing what they can, you know, to try to go ahead and rectify the fact of the matter that they weren't prepared for this. But this time around, he said, you know, pretty much the net, when we get hit again, because more than likely we will, we'll be prepared for this. We will definitely be prepared for this. And like I said, you know, like I said, it's, it's, it's definitely a moment where the world needs to humble themselves and figure, you know what, we're not immortal. We're all mortal. You know, we're all, we could all be hurt at any given moment. And this is something that people need to understand that, like you said, this is something that's not, that's going to be with us for the rest of our lives. It's going to be in our history books. Yeah. Our grandchildren are going to read about this great plague. Like we have read about great plagues in our history classes when we were younger. This next generation is going to be reading about this. Babies that are being born this year. When they get to high school, they're going to be reading about the great plague of the coronavirus that took thousands of people's lives. And we're lucky if it's thousands and not more. So, That's yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's weird that we're, we're living history right now. I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, over the last four years, it's been kind of like, what, really? You know? <laughs> but you know what? I mean, you know what? Though? Aside from, aside from, you know, the negative, we, uh, the history books are also going to talk about the positive. They're going to talk about how people became, became creative. Some people yeah. became so creative. Creativity was, is, is at an all-time high right now because people have an opportunity to be home and think about what ways to pretty much amuse themselves yeah. for lack of a better they create exactly. something i could say that's that's kind of interesting is when all this started you know um i i was supposed to be going on tour like next month in april may it had to be pushed and um you know i i still have my album supposed to come out in may we're still I think we're still going to put out the album. Uh, but, you know, through all this, I was kind of thinking, hey, what could I do? And so actually, I started a business. It, it, this was before even my mom was in the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, I just was thinking like, oh, wow, you know, this is getting bigger. And, you know, what can I do? And what can we contribute? And, and what do people need? And so we started a business that it's called organically protected and they're uh, face masks made out of like a hundred percent organic natural fibers that are like washable um, masks. And I got them like I had the idea before my mom was even in the hospital hospital and obviously she went in the hospital and then like, you know, that changed the focus. But I took that time where I was just like, Hey, I'm going to sew like prototypes of these masks and like get the fabric. So we got the fabric and, you know, we're just launching the website now for uh, these protective masks. And with it, I have, you know, a bunch of friends and people that have lost their, their jobs because of the virus that I have that are, um, you know, sewing the mask together um, as well. So. No, that's, yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's, and that's something that, again, you know, I mean, it, it sparked the creativity of so many people, you know, to the point that, you know, people like you, you're, you're coming up with new ways to try to see if you could help your fellow man, especially during this time of crisis, especially since you went through it yourself personally. So you know what, what they're going through. And I actually, 
began a challenge and I'm not sure if you I'm sure you've been busy but uh on my social media on my Instagram I started a, a hashtag AW movement which stands for applaud workers movement yes. uh basically I I'm challenging uh many people I'm challenging you to go ahead and post a video of you applauding clapping for all the essential workers that are currently in the front lines right now, be it first responders, doctors, nurses, um, you know, grocery store clerks, truck drivers, uh, delivery people, all these people that are mechanics, all these people that are essential workers. I am asking you, I am asking everybody to post a video with the hashtag AW movement to go ahead and honor each and every single one of these people that are putting their health, their lives on the line to make sure that we stay alive. Oh, 100%. I will definitely do that. And I, and I can say firsthand, like my experience, um, as far as what people need, something that's kind of scary and something to be aware of is, you know, when I was when my mom was in the hospital, like I said earlier, I was calling a bunch and I remember I called one morning and I, I tried to call my mom. She didn't answer. So I called the hospital and spoke to her nurse. And I said, you know, do you know how she's doing this morning? And the nurse said she wasn't able to check on her yet because they were out of uh, gowns. So because she couldn't get a new, uh, a hospital, a protective gown, she wasn't a, uh, able to check on her. And mm -hmm. so the thing to, to think that's scary is that, you know, my mom was patient zero at this big hospital in the center of downtown. And she was the first person with the virus. And even in just her time there, you know, the nurses didn't have the equipment they needed to take proper care and protect themselves from people fighting these viruses. So I'm saying that to just say like, you know, how important it is to have, you know, the protective gear that people need so they can do their job. And when, you know, you know, these people are, you know, out there taking a chance and putting their life on the line, trying to help. And just how important it is that we have, you know, things like masks and gloves and protective gowns and stuff. So people can, you know, do their job and stay healthy enough to keep you know, keep the hospitals and the supermarkets and all of that running. And that's, and that's, again, that's something that's very important because without them, there'd be chaos. There would literally be chaos. I mean, people already went crazy as it is by hoarding supplies, yeah. you know, and that's another thing that really, really pisses me off is that there's elderly people that can't go out during the day or anything like that. I'm glad that some supermarkets have opened them, but, to be honest, that's another thing that kind of like upsets me because they open it way too early for elderly people. There should be like maybe after hours or a certain cutoff point where they restock just for the elderly only, you yeah. know, and like keep, in the middle of the day or something. Exactly. So that way they could have a chance to go and get the supplies that they need in order to be able to do it. And it's got to last more than an hour. Give them at least two or three hours because yeah. they only offer an hour of that and there's already already a line outside of people i mean from what i understand it seems that there's still a lot of a lot of uh, food available to many people uh i actually spoke with a relative of mine that said that yeah there's still a lot of meats and and chickens poultry things like that but what's really uh being low on right now is 
is pastas and rice. That's actually something that people aren't able to find. Yeah, people are hoarding that stuff. You know, yeah. the stuff that doesn't have an expiration date, or if it does, it's like ten years or well, five. That, well, that or or grains that'll go ahead and fill their stomachs up because these are all carbs that you know people could go ahead and and eat. But the issue with that is that people that are diabetic they can't have that. You know, they they can't have pasta. So I mean, it's. It's it's a difficult it's a catch twenty two when it comes to that kind of uh, to decide what kind of food you can eat and you know it's it's crazy I mean my my question with you as far as the the social distancing guidelines how severe are those social dis- how important I should say are the social distancing guidelines in your opinion Oh my God it's it's everything um, I mean we know for sure that they say the virus is dropped it's it's droplet transmission by like, you know, sneezing, coughing. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's airborne to the extent of how far a droplet can travel in the air before it hits something. And, you know, there's no like, Oh, at exactly three feet, you're safe or at exactly three feet, one inch, you're safe or six feet you know, one, you're safe, you know, no one knows. And also, you know, every person is different. You know, some people probably just like, if you think, oh, there's someone that can, you know, spit like an inch and there's like, you know, those guys in those old Westerns that can spit like 10 feet into like a metal bucket and bing type of thing. Yeah. (laughs) You 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 have to think the same way that, you know, people are different and, you know, um, their sneezes and coughs and, and, um, you know, the spit that they might spit when they're talking, even if it's microscopic, that's all you need, you know, can go, uh, can go further than you might think. So yeah, definitely seeing, you know, at least six feet, how is, is a hundred percent important. The other thing that's important is the use of masks. It's proven that, having a a mask not only protects other people from something that you might have, but it, you know, it can reduce, even if it's just, you know, a cotton mask that you made yourself, it can still reduce up to 60% uh, of contaminants just by having something, a barrier between you and us. And also also the goggles too, for your, for your eyes too, correct? Oh, a hundred percent. The other thing that if nothing else, what it does is usually people get the virus because they touch their faces or they touch Mm -hmm. their mouths or their eyes. Like you're not even thinking about it and you touch it. So having a mask or wearing gloves, if nothing else, it helps remind you that, Hey, look, I shouldn't be touching my face right now. You know, it's like a second uh, barrier to, of consciousness to be like aware you know that I need to remember not to touch my face. And 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 this that rule of thumb usually applies if you're out and about. Obviously, if you're at home and you already washed your hands, you know, yeah. I mean, that, that's a different story. Obviously, because you're home. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that's also why the whole stay in place, having friends over and stuff. You're like, oh, I'll have my friend, but it's a six foot distance with my friend. It's kind of like, are you? you know, contaminating your entire house when you have a friend come over. Yeah, it it makes sense. Yeah, it makes no sense to have anybody over because, I mean, they come from, unless they live with you, obviously, but unless they 
you know, I mean, unless that that's the case, don't have anybody over because they're coming from the outside. You don't know who, who has touched them, who they've interacted with. And you don't know where, you know, because I heard it could also stay on your clothes for about about 24 hours or so. It could stay on yeah. your on your clothing as well. And metal and plastic. It pretty much says everything like to be careful. You need to wait like at least three days to know for sure. It's terrifying. And you know what? Like as ridiculous as it sounds, you know, knowing what my mom went through as a strong, you know, woman um, and how it almost got her, you know, it does not hurt to take those precautions, people. Like, I know it seems like overboard or ridiculous, especially I could only imagine if you don't know anyone who has it or um, know, have a friend of a friend, it seems like it's fake and it's overblown, like guaranteed, um, you know, it's, it makes a difference and it's true. You have to think as a community. So definitely like make sure you're calling friends and family from wherever or just different people from other parts of the world so you can see that you're not alone in taking the precautions that it really is um a collective and it's true you know in this situation we're only as strong as our weakest link so all it takes is you know one person to be careless and it could completely undo all the effort everyone else is taking so you have to think that you're you know, we're working as a collective right now. Very true. That's very true. And and I was wondering one other thing. Um, when you when you mentioned that the virus could stay airborne for a little bit, like, does that mean that if someone sneezes, the virus stays up in the air for three hours? Or what's that? What's that mean exactly? I mean, what what, what have you been told about that? Um, well, what I've like I said, what I've been told is not nothing's a hundred percent because. There's no, you know, this is the first time it's the novel virus. It's the new virus. No one has ever seen or knows. So, you know, people are just starting to study the behaviors. But as far as now, uh, as far as now, it's, it's not considered to be airborne as in, it's not like if you sneeze in the air, it keeps traveling through the air and it can Mm -hmm. go through windows and outside. And it's not like, I think when you think of airborne, you have to think kind of like, if you had maybe like a smoke bomb, like think about a smoke bomb. If you put a smoke bomb in a house off and the windows are open, the smoke's going to travel outside through the air, through the windows of the house, you know, and Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. burst throughout the air. But this isn't the case with that. Yeah, no, it's not airborne to that extent. It's, it's uh, transferred through droplets, droplets, which is considered, it's airborne as long as a droplet is in the air. So, 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 no, so in other words, like it's airborne in the sense that if someone like sneezes, air- obviously it flies. It flies out of their mouth and into your face or whatever. That's considered airborne. Um, well, it's, I, I think it's considered more like if you think of an aerosol can, like a, like a can of, uh, of, you know, bathroom deodorizer or like hairspray is kind mm. of what it is. So if you think about, a can of hairspray, like if you spray hairspray, it's droplets, right? So, so the actual thing that's carrying the virus is the droplets. So it's mm-hmm. the actual, like, you know, the hairspray and the hairspray. It's not the, the air, the aerosol. 
it's the the actual spray. So the aerosol can like you know spews the the fluid, but then the fluid drops and then you know the air keeps going. But it travels by way like an aerosol can, so it can go far. But it's kind of like if you It'll spray fall down. Yeah, if you if you spray like an aerosol can at someone who's like hairspray at someone who's 10 feet away, like, you know, no, their hair is, isn't going to be firm. Like it was sprayed with hairspray because most of it, the droplets would have fallen off by then, but that doesn't mean the air isn't going that far. Gotcha. So if you think about the virus more like hairspray in a can first airborne is like, if it's a smoke bomb in a house, you know, so it's not a smoke bomb in a house. It's, like an aerosol can. So when someone sneezes, it's like a short spray and then, and then whatever. It falls to the floor. It, yeah, it falls to the floor. It can fall to walls or mm-hmm. to, um, you know, surfaces. So you have to think about it like that. And then also think like a can of hairspray can actually travel pretty far. So, well, I mean, that's the reason why the rule of thumb is if you could smell someone's breath then chances are they are transferring their virus, their bacteria towards you. Yeah. And I think that's even being, uh, you know, being like giving more than what's needed. I don't even think you need to smell, smell someone's breath to be close enough to get the virus. You True. definitely be further away um, and still get it. Plus just the fact that someone could sneeze and touch a doorknob and mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it could be two days later you touch the doorknob and then you're not thinking you scratch your eye and then you just got got it you know it's 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 so interesting because uh my mom she was a germaphobe like a complete germaphobe and you know people thought her thought of her as being neurotic but now it's like i mean you know no knowing mom she would be laughing at what's going on today she she i i, I could almost get like to my mom would be laughing. yep she would i could almost hear her actually saying told you so see y'all thought i was crazy you know <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah like, who's crazy? If everyone did what i did we would have this problem <laughs> oh man it was so bad she actually she actually made me a little neurotic too to the point that i you know i have i'm kind of a germaphobe myself where, you know, anything public that's touched, I always, I'm like, I don't want to touch this, you know, or I just, I touch it with my foot or something, you know, <laughs> like I don't touch anything. But I guess it was a good thing because, I mean, you know, because of that, uh, and it's so funny because I even, my, my, my dad, he's, he's the type of person that he's like, hey, you know, if it's time, if it's your time to go, I might as well go. And I was like, yeah, but not like that. You know, <laughs> I'm okay with with you know my time to go that's fine we all gotta die sometime but not like that and not yeah, but that's passion. that's like saying like oh if i'm gonna die i'm gonna die and then you jump off a bridge it's like oh well you didn't have to jump off the bridge exactly <laughs> you know it's like my mom has an old saying don't go looking for something you haven't lost yeah exactly. <laughs> no that was my mom's old saying <laughs> and 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 the thing is that like um it was so funny because whenever I would get like a pizza delivered to me or anything like that, I would wipe the box off with Lysol, with Lysol wipes. I would wipe everything down. And my dad's like, oh my God, you're taking to, you're going to the extreme. About two days later, a doctor was actually recommending that anything you get delivered, wipe it down. I was like, yeah. I looked at him. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm crazy, right? I'm the one that's crazy, right? Like, <laughs> We've been doing that too at my place, like just. 
Oh yeah. Anything. I, I just got, I just got Instacart delivered yesterday. I didn't even open the bag here inside. I told him, leave it on top of my, my air conditioner vent. And I went outside, grabbed it, went to my, to the back of, to my backyard, got each one of the items that were inside and was wiping it down with Lysol with gloves. Like, 100%. I, you know, I went, the, the bag that was used, the bag that was used, I tra- I threw that bag away, transferred all that stuff into a fresh bag of one of mine that I had in, in the house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just transferred anything else, anything there as I was wiping it down. When I got inside um, the vegetables, I went ahead and I, I washed them with uh, antibacterial soap. So they're probably going to taste a little bit like Dove later. Um, <laughs> you know? you know what the trick is, what, I, what I've been doing is in my sink, you know, I just stop off the sink and then I just put a, like make a little kind of bubble soup, like a little uh, bath for all my vegetables or nice. things. And then, you know, you set it up really good and then you just put the stuff in there and you, uh, you just wipe it down really quick. I mean, with me, like personally, it, you know, there has been no proof that, that the virus could be in food, like prepared food and stuff like that. But my thing is like, you know what, I'm not taking my chances. So I'm still wiping them down. And, it, it, you know, I mean, well, I do could definitely be in prepared food, but obviously that's if the people preparing it aren't taking the precautions. Like, oh, if well, someone sneezed on your, you know, pasta and then you got it delivered, you know. That's- well, the, but that's the other thing too, is that they, they say that you can't really get the virus through like eating something because your, your body acids destroy the virus you know you're in with your acids inside but that's where i'm confused i'm like yeah, okay so that's, then- that's only if it gets in your stomach the correction on that is like nothing if if the virus gets you know in your stomach it can't survive because the stomach acid will eat everything mm-hmm. so that's true but the fact is in order for something to make it down to your stomach it has, it has to go through to your throat be, yeah in your esophagus and you know, all those mucous membranes is where the virus attaches to. Yeah. So that's why it doesn't make any sense either. That's why I'm like, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where I take a risk when I have to go ahead and order food. But I, I mean, so far they haven't found anything like that going on with people that are ordering food. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that's not a case. Yeah, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping to, you know, cause I yeah. I haven't ordered food, which I'm, I'm like, things that you miss from being in quarantine, because that's the thing, I've been in quarantine longer than, like, the mandated quarantine, just from my mom being like, oh, you have to just stay away from people for two weeks. So I haven't been to a restaurant I, you know, food in like a month, which is and, so weird. And you know what? That's something else. Thank you for reminding me. That's actually something else. That's something else that I was, uh, that I was going to go ahead and bring up that I also brought up in that last podcast about the silver lining is the little things that, that we need to appreciate. Like, like you mentioned earlier, you haven't hugged your mom. Yeah. Like those are little things that we take for granted, like little things that we take for granted, social interaction you know, with our friends, with our significant others, with our family. These are things that when all this, because this, this, like I've said it before, this too shall pass. And once it does, my God, like so many people are going to like, be like, oh my God, you know, I, I I get to hug you again. I get to talk to you. I get to have a beer with you. You know, like I get to happy hour. Yeah. All these things are going to come back tenfold. That's true. That's what I'm hoping. The The goal is as long as like, if we can stay afloat, that's the, the worry that I have is like, 
us as a community, if we're able to stay afloat through this time and come out of it, then we'll be good. But I think it's just, you know, what's going to happen for, you know, all the mortgages and rents that people have to pay. Like if, you know, the jobs, are the jobs going to be there for people once the economy opens up again? Like, and that's, you know, the big question mark. Well, I mean, it's, it's almost like, I mean, the way I look at it, it's almost like when Pearl Harbor was attacked, you know, when we're at war, there's things that, that people need to understand is that there's a recovery period after the World Trade Center was destroyed. There's a recovery period. We survived through all those things. We'll be able to survive through this too. You yeah, know, no, I, I agree a hundred percent. And, and but, we're, I definitely, but I definitely think that it's important that we, um, we come together mm-hmm. and that goes from everyone from, you know, you and me, people in the entertainment industry to mm-hmm. people in the medical field and people, you know, in tech and, and people in the government, like everyone needs to come together and the banks, like, and how you know people have to understand this is affecting everyone and i think that as long as we as a collective think not only about this you know how can i personally be affected in the people i know but how how will you know the the human race be affected by what we do and i think as long as we take that into consideration you know the the people in our government the you know everyone understands that we're all collectively here, you know, I think we can come out stronger, but I think it's really our, our job, especially as we're at home, you know, to, to make sure you voice that, Hey, this is my situation and this is important. So that, you know, lawmakers and people that are set up, you know, that are in a position to really help guide us to recovery, you know, are able to do it. And that's so important right now. Yeah. And I agree. And I agree. And like I said, you know, it's one of those things where governments, like you said to yourself, governments, governments, you know, and people in general need to come together. Banks, especially like the whole thing about the mortgage and everything, the banks need to understand that if they start evicting or if they start shutting down businesses, that's going to hurt them as much as it'll hurt the person that they're doing it to. They, that's what they don't. That's what they need to understand. That it's like, okay, well, this business is done. How are you going to be able to get, make any more money? How's your financial institution going to survive without this business? So it, it comes back full circle. So I mean, and and not only that, how it's affected millions of people, you know, their jobs, their businesses. That's going to be a direct reflection, and that's going to go ahead and hurt financial institutions. Not only that, but I think, you know, yes, 9-11 was crazy, and the financial meltdown in 2008, like, all of that was insane. Like, I'm not trying to belittle it in any way, but at the same time, what we're going through right now is on a whole other scale. It's Mm -hmm. literally affecting the entire world. Correct. Every single person. There's, there's no one that's not affected that, that this isn't affecting. I think some people, you know, few industries are, you know, still going or going stronger, but I mean, collectively, even those industries that are going stronger, if everyone else is doing bad, then they're going to collapse as well. Exactly. So 
So we're all, you know, we're all in this together. And, you know, I think we just need to remember that and we need to make sure that we remind because honestly, right now is, it's so true. This is a time when we need government more than ever to do the right thing, to look out for, for us and to make sure that, hey, this isn't just about the politics this yeah this or about my opinion or your opinion this is really just like okay look let's just get in a position so we can disagree again like let's get in a position so exactly we can have our different positions but right now collectively like we need to put all that stuff aside and just say hey look you know let's just let's as a society stay afloat right now like let's all forgive each other in this moment and come together. Cause if we don't, I, you know, the recovery from this, you know, could be felt for years and years, or, you know, maybe if everyone comes together and looks out, you know, everyone, cause think about it, like Coachella, for instance, being canceled, like not only does that affect, you know, the artists that were booked and it affects the people that, we're planning on going and doing something, but it affects, you know, all the hotels and restaurants mm-hmm. in the Coachella Valley. The Airbnbs. Affects, yeah, it affects the Airbnbs because it affects the Airbnbs. Uber. You know? <laughs> it affects Uber yeah, as well. It affects Uber, which affects, you know, people that are, you know, maybe up and coming whatever artists, entrepreneurs that are using that to sustain you know, their livelihood while they're building their company, that's going to turn into something bigger. It's like, you know, all of these things have a domino effect on every single person, you know, the agents, the insurance companies, the everyone literally, you know, because these people don't have money, they can't buy, you know, they're not investing in that car that they were going to get next month. You know, they're not getting, you know, that new apartment or they're not upgrading their um air conditioning systems at that new property like everyone is affected so i think even the people that you know are in a position where financially they're able to you know sustain what they're doing you know you have to think that hey look i might be good but my neighbor might not be. So let me act in a way where I'm considering everyone and everything around me because, you know, even if I don't think it affects me, it does, you know? And that, and that goes to the same thing with social distancing with kind of just, I feel like the, the frame of mind we have to be in as a community, as a society right now to like, Hey, let me look out for everyone, not just myself. Um, which I think ultimately that that will benefit us as a society to be like caring about everyone in this moment, not just about ourselves. And that's the truth. And that's, and that's, those are, those are correct words coming from somebody that has gone through it personally. And that, you know, that's, those are, you're right about that. You're, you're, you know, a hundred percent on everything you just said. Um, I'm wondering because, you know, you're a musical artist are you going to be doing any concerts on any of your social media for people that are staying at home? Yes. Well, um, I won't lie to you. When my mom was in the hospital, I had zero interest of course, <laughs> in well, doing anything yeah, other than making sure she was okay. But now yeah. that, she, that she's okay, 
Um, I'm definitely going to be doing some some music and, and performances. I was actually thinking about doing a Q&A on my Instagram on this topic as well, just for people and friends that might have questions. And- well, well, if that's the case, then you might as well go ahead and tell me how people could stalk you. Yes, for sure. <laughs> What's your Instagram? What's your social media? My, my Instagram is Dovely Music. That's D-O-V-L-E-Y music everything is at doubly music and i guess to uh to pitch what the album the album is called beautiful chaos which actually right now is uh even more relevant than ever before oh yeah the album is about finding the beauty and kind of bad things that happen in our lives i wrote the album just as a reflection of kind of me looking at you know, my own trials and tribulations and coming to the point where being, you know, where, where you go through a lot of stuff and then you come to a moment in your life where you look back and you're like, wow, all of those things that I went through, the good, the bad, the ugly got me to where I am in this moment. And, you know, which I think is a beautiful moment. So ultimately, you know, you should be thankful and see the beauty and the chaos of life. And that's literally the the album uh, title is. And I have uh, the last song I just put out. It's called Ricochet. We just put out the music video right at the beginning of all of this. So I didn't mm-hmm. really get to promote it a whole lot. But you guys can definitely check out the video. And I have a new song coming out next month called Be About It. Um, and we also have a music video coming out that I directed um, that's coming out in conjunction with that release and be about it just about being like proactive in your life like the things that you want um you know you only have one life to live so yeah and that's and that that again you know definitely reflects to what's going on in the current situation yeah so exactly so it's kind of like you know life is short if if there's someone that you love you know pick up the phone and tell them you love them if there's you know, something you've always wanted to do, a story you've always wanted to tell, a song you've always wanted to write, you know, now's the time to just do it, be about it. And uh, yeah, that's the the next single that's coming out as well. Well, you know what I'm going to do? This this episode was strictly, um, was, was supposed to be actually part of, partly music, partly what you went through. But um, I think that what you went through was, was uh, you know, I mean, and this is by no no means uh, belittling uh, your, you as an artist or anything like that. But this is, this, this interview was, was, in my opinion, it was way uh, more informative uh, as to what happened because it's, it, it, it affects all of us currently oh, right now it definitely affected you and uh, but i will have you back on the show definitely on the xander effect you know uh, i'll have you back so what we could talk a little bit more about you as the artist not as a triumphant uh person from this virus uh and i want to talk a little bit about you uh, as an artist director as uh, as an up-and-coming music mogul I want to talk a little bit more about that uh, and bring you back on the Xander effect very soon for that. Definitely. I'm a hundred percent open to that and um, definitely check out some of my music. Um, Dovely D O V L E Y on Spotify uh, prime or Amazon music, um, iTunes, 
or Apple Music, my bad. iTunes doesn't exist anymore. And you also um, have a YouTube, right? You also have a YouTube where they I can go into that? I do have a YouTube. It's just Dovely. So you can just YouTube Dovely, D-O-V-L-E-Y. You'll find all of the music. And um, side note, too, is I write and produce all of my own music. So everything you hear is uh, firsthand uh, creations. And your music is very, it's, it's awesome music. I played it on my show. And uh, the music videos are very interesting, which again, I want to talk to you about those music videos because they're very, 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 yeah, very unique music videos. Thank you. Yeah. And when you see the new one, you'll probably have uh, something else good to say about it. So yeah, well, I'll definitely come on and we can, uh, we can talk the art more, but I, I'm happy, honestly, that, um, you know, we got to talk about all of these things. I think right now it's, it's important for people to hear, you know, the, the stories of people going through it either as like a warning of things to, you know, be aware of. And then also just to see that, like I said earlier, that, you know, collectively we're in this together. So even if it doesn't affect you personally, you know, just knowing that it, you know, how it has an impact on other people will hopefully help people to be more aware and take the precautions necessary so it doesn't get, you know, as terrible as it could be. Correct. And, and doubly, you know, I commend you uh, for going through this with your mother. Um, I'm definitely happy to hear that she's doing better, uh, that she's recovering. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I hope that you continue to take care of each other, take care of yourselves, be safe, please. Um, as usual. And, uh, you know, I look forward to having you back on the show again very soon. Definitely. Thank you so much, Sander, for having me. No problem, Dovely. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. <laughs> you too. Absolutely an incredible story uh, from a very brave young lady. Uh, Dovely, I commend you for going through such an incredible uh, ordeal. I am very happy to hear that uh, your mother is recovering very well. I mean, I was blown away by what she was telling me by the interview that we had. Um, and it's just so incredible that at least out of all the terrible, horrible endings that have been going on around the world with COVID-19, it's refreshing to at least hear a happy ending uh, from two people that that uh, went through it firsthand. And I'm very you know, again, I'm very happy to hear that they're, they're they're doing better. And I look forward to having Dovely on the Xander Effect again very soon to talk a little bit about her music. She's an incredibly talented uh, young woman. And, uh, you know, I, I, I foresee that a lot of great things will happen uh, in her musical career and uh, going beyond that. So th that, uh, that right there in and of itself is a testament to bravery and what we're all going through right now. And as I said before, you know, be safe out there, take care of yourselves, make sure you practice hygiene, make sure you uh, adhere to the six feet rule if you have to go out and do something essential. Um, you know, other than that, if you don't have to go out, please stay in protect yourself protect your loved ones and make sure that you go, do not go through what Dovely went through what her mother went through because not all endings are happy like the one like the one that she had 
Um, a lot of people are dying. A lot of people are suffering with this virus. And uh, just just protect yourselves. Just protect yourselves. Be very, you know, be very aware of what's going on around you. And just be careful out there. That's the Xander effect. And that is the info in case you haven't heard it. Thank you so much for listening to this very special report of the Xander effect. Again, my thanks to Dovely for being a, a wonderful guest on my show. And as always, remember, music always, always heals all. We'll see you next time. Live it up. B. Taylor. Flow Rider. Live it up. The Xander Effect is powered by 5050 Global Music Inc. BMG and Sony Music The Orchard in association with Art19 Media.